unless you study the safety of those products you should not be using it especially when it comes to our own health Welcome to the Better Podcast, where we provide guests and topics and a little touch of humor to fuel your health and longevity. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Farrell, founder and CEO of Better Health. This week, I'm going to take a little bit deeper dive into the harmful effects of titanium dioxide. I've been mentioning it on my Tuesday night calls, and people just can't get enough of this topic. And so it's interesting how many people, when you say the word titanium dioxide, um, never heard of it. Um, or they think that it's actually supposed to be something good for you. And so I brought our uh, expert who is uh, the only skincare and skin food and personal care products that we recommend. You can find them on our website from Own Botanical. Dr. Shah, how are you? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Uh, so I want to start off. We know that this titanium dioxide is everywhere. And in your skincare products that, that we have and the hair and the shampoo, by the way, the vitamin C is like, I put it on every day, right? Before, before I met you, I never did any skincare routine. Now I use that. And then I use the, uh, the bright, the ultra bright, was it called? The um, young and bright. Yes. Young and bright every day. Wonderful. It's, it's, so you stop aging now, right? Yeah. So now I've, I've aged backwards. My hair is growing back. But I will tell you the thing that the product that to me has made the biggest difference is the sunscreen. Mm. And because I have one son who favors my wife, who's Filipino and, you know, his skin doesn't get burned real easy and does okay. Then I have one, my other son who's super fair. And obviously putting sunscreen on kids is always a battle. And for me, it was a battle because I just didn't want to spray them with all those chemicals. The only alternative was I would look for what we call natural sun screens or whatever, which never seemed natural to me. And so when I saw your product, I said, you know what? It's going to be just like all the other natural products where it doesn't go on real easy. It clumps. It's, you know, it's probably got other garbage in it. And when I pump out your product, not only does it go on smooth, but you actually feel like you're nourishing your skin. So I feel good about putting it on my son. And my wife was skeptical, like, well, the natural stuff never works. And she's super freaky about, you know, my son, Dimitri, because she's like, he's going to get burnt. He shouldn't get burnt. And we I've been using it with it all summer. And he has not had one sunburn, uh, nothing. His skin looks good. It goes on super easy. He jumps in the water. And even if he's like, you know, kids are messing with their face, it even stays on when he's in the water. What like an amazing product. And yet when you go to the, the back of it, it says non-nano, right? That, that's the difference bet between it, right? So when I first looked, I said, wait, could this be? So let's first just talk about that skincare product because I think that that sunscreen, everybody in the world should be utilizing it. There's nothing I've ever found better. And I'd love for you to talk about that product first because of the fact of the titanium. Sure. So the key to any of these product is you need to use it. So I just came back from climbing Kilimanjaro and the last day I forgot to put sunscreen and you can see my nose already burned with the ultraviolet radiation at that height at 19,000 feet. So the key is to use it and then to use the right product. 
So in sunscreen, you have two types of protection. One is chemical-based protection, uh, and the other one is mineral-based protection. So in mineral-based, you have two options, zinc and titanium. From the beginning, I stayed away from titanium in all our products because of the health hazards. All those companies would say, no, they are completely safe. There is enough data showing, at least questioning, the safety of those products. So we stayed with zinc oxide. Now, in zinc also, you have choice of using standard zinc oxide or nanoparticles. Now, advantage of nanoparticles is because they are smaller than the wavelength of light, when you apply it, you don't see that white feel, right? Your skin doesn't feel that whiteness. And that's why a lot, lot of people prefer using nanoparticle, but it has its own health uh, hazards. At least we don't have enough evidence for the safety of it. Uh, some of the research has been questionable, but we just have to make sure that we take the safest route. And as long as it's combined with the right ingredients, like raspberry seed oil, for instance, it itself adds more to the SPF factor. And then combine that even further with microalgae. Like most people don't know that algae blocks quite a bit of UV radiation. And the combination of microalgae, three different types of microalgae that we use, effectively blocks almost 93% of UVA and UVB radiation. So we don't have to use a whole lot of zinc to get the same effect because of the other ingredients. And that's why the product does not feel very white uh, compared to other SPF 30 zinc oxide products or titanium dioxide products for that matter. And, and the other products that are in it, what do they actually do for your skin? Because, it, you know, again, as I said, it's it's like you feel like you're not only getting the SPF, but you're also getting some benefit from, from oh, using that product. Yeah. So because it has shea butter, shea butter is super hydrating. Even uh, raspberry seed oil is an antioxidant. So it's fighting free radicals and your pollution that you are exposed to constantly. So it's it's a multi-pronged approach. These products are not just, it does not do just one thing, it does multiple things. So it hydrates your skin, gives you protection. It also protects you from free radicals. And uh, the best is it's edible. Yeah. So all, all the products are edible. And, and to remind the audience, so you're a Yale biochemist. You um, Molecular biologist. Me- molecular biologist. And you also had um, some vegetarian restaurants, right? Yes, vegan and raw food restaurant. Vegan and raw food, yeah. right. And then your quest to develop these types of products was to help your son with eczema. Uh, right. So you come from, from both the deep dive science side as well as I want to protect my family my, and my son. And as well as you, you know, were reaching out to your mom, who was an Ayurvedic practitioner. So all these products right. were developed with the you know, earth in mind. And now we come up and see the headlines from the European Union, which seems to be ahead of us when it comes to food and safety. Like I remember Turkey as a country, you know, they're one of the first to ban genetically modified organisms and such. And so now that we we hear this news, okay, titanium dioxide nanoparticles are having a negative inflammatory effect, uh, or actually messing with the DNA, but we now know that they're also having a negative inflammatory effect on the intestinal lining. And boy, 
when I looked at the list, it's in over like 3,000 foods and topical products. What do you know about this titanium dioxide nanoparticle? Titanium dioxide by itself, in my opinion, is a problematic ingredient. When you use titanium dioxide in a manufacturing facility, you need to, unless you wear a high quality mask, it's going to get into your lung system. So it's a hazardous for people who are, who are working with it in the first place. Uh, second, it also escapes many a times. Many of the sunscreens are spray sunscreens with titanium dioxide. Now, once they are airborne, it's affecting, even if they're not nanoparticles, it's also affecting your lung system. Nanoparticles even cause greater damage because now they are embedded into your tissues and they are accumulating further. So it has significantly more damage. So I have preferred to stay away from titanium dioxide, even the regular uh, non-nano version, but nanoparticles has caused even greater concerns. How do we even start using it? I mean, who turns a blind eye to this that just says, yeah, let's go for it. Someone had to know that this is not good for us. So I, I can talk to you about the skincare industry. In food industry, it has been used for many, many years as a colorant, right? It's, it gives you nice white color to anything, whether it's an ice cream or uh, anything you want to make it white. Add titanium dioxide, it makes it white. The nano, on the other hand, has been used in skincare industry specifically not to have that white feel. In skincare, as I said earlier, you have chemical-based sunscreen, chemicals like oxybenzol or avobenzol, which do not give you that white feel when you apply it. But it has been found to be not only carcinogenic, but it's been harmful to environment and other organisms. So in Hawaii, they found that those chemicals, one in million part was destroying all the coral reefs. Oh. So they have banned. So then industry said, okay, so now because these chemicals have gotten the bad rap, how can we substitute that? People don't like their skin to be white. So why don't we take titanium dioxide and make it into nanoparticles so then it does not leave that white feel? So that's how I think it uh, ended up in skincare industry, the nanoparticles. But it has even further issues. Number one, it, get, it penetrates deeper. And as I said earlier, that it accumulates into your tissue. Some research has even found it to alter your DNA. That is awful. What you're saying is the difference between titanium dioxide and titanium dioxide nanoparticles, but in your opinion, both should not be used. Got it. I would not use it for ingesting. You use it for other, other things, right? You use it in your paint. That's fine. But right. topically, it has been found to be as bad as asbestos, the nanoparticles. Oh, my goodness. What's shocking to me is when you look at the titanium dioxide, which I think is an additive food, they call it E171. Mm -hmm. All makeup products, you will see that. Baking products, cake products. No wonder everybody in our society is trying to figure out why they feel so terrible. And no matter how many doctors they go to, no matter what they do, they're so disrupted every single day. And, and right. I, love, I, I love hearing from the opposite side. So there's a, a forum I follow, a bunch of biochemists online. And you know, basically they're like making fun of people that want to go chemical free. 
right? They, mm-hmm. they talk about this and they say, you know, this one study, it said it had to be X blah, blah, blah parts to cause cancer in rats. And they kind of go to that study. And I think to myself, yeah, but that's only one part that this stuff is showing up in our lives, right? Okay. Everything we touch, everything we look at is, is exposing us. And, and so, yeah. You know, and multiple times a day. And multiple times a day. Yeah. And, and it's like, I understand that if you are biochemistry, you, you know, you love chemistry and it can solve a lot of world problems and it definitely can, you know, chemistry is necessary for all the things, but Absolutely, for, yeah. for your body and for your lifestyle, it's a no-go. It's an absolute no-go. Yeah. Especially uh, when there are other alternatives. Right. Absolutely. So now, now we have this, right? Just one more thing. And thank God Erin's not on here because she would be, you know, she was already <laughs> freaking out the last episode when we talked about this because when we're looking through the 3000 foods, Tostitos was one of them, Sour Patch Kids, some other things. But as we were reading, she was like, well, I don't eat that. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. But what everybody's failing to realize is it's not just those 3000 foods as you're describing. It's in the skincare industry. Uh, it's in the dust particles. It's in sunscreens. I mean, it's it's everywhere. In fact, it was banned in France. France said no. And yet here in America, we're just Keep pumping it out. So to be clear, uh, France banned the nanoparticles. They still allow the regular titanium dioxide, just the nanoparticles are banned now. Now, for our purposes, do you have an inkling of why, you know, I'm always talking about food as medicine, and if I can't, if the food can't be absorbed or utilized properly, then it makes it difficult for the body. How do you think the titanium dioxide or titanium dioxide nanoparticles are actually causing inflammation uh, in the digestive lining. Right. So what has been even found that it even causes Crohn's disease in some of the, uh, again, a lot of these were animal studies. More research has to be done on humans. They have not done enough research on humans uh, for the safety. But most of the research that we see on animals does not look good. I would imagine so, it does. Multiple, multiple ways, right? So it even as it penetrates the cell, the cell structure, it basically reacts. I don't think it penetrates the nucleus yet, but in some cases it even penetrates the Golgi complex. So number one, it irritates it. Number two, uh, it can then alter the composition. Now we have to understand that nanoparticles, think of them as quantum. Your standard physical principles don't apply to quantum mechanics. Same way, your standard characteristics of your ingredients, whether it's titanium dioxide or any other, when you convert it to nano, the rules are completely different. Mm. So unless you study the safety of those products, you should not be using it, especially when it comes to our own health. They did a small study I was reading before the show, and they tested the t- pancreas of 12 folks mm-hmm. that were type 2 diabetes. And in every case, they found the titanium dioxide uh, in the pancreas. And I, of course, it's a small study, but then the, those that were healthy didn't have it in there. Do you think that there are certain people that are more pre- predisposed to? Is there something that could accelerate? So now we, we know this stuff is everywhere, so it's almost impossible to avoid completely. Um, do you think there's any other contributing factors to making titanium dioxide worse? And you know, is there anything else that could make it more insipidus in the body? Well, so my assumption would be that like everything else, if you have any 
pre-existing conditions. If you are already unhealthy, you don't have the strong immune system to fight it, it's going to affect you more than uh, someone who has a strong immune system who can fight it, right? The other problem with the nanoparticles is it accumulates. The body has difficulty flushing it out. Many a times what happens is something that body doesn't like, it would flush out. But this nanoparticles, they are not flushed out and they get accumulated. And that's why it exacerbates the problems over time. How do you feel this translates for things like silicon dioxide and zinc oxide? Do you have the same concerns? When it comes to nano, I do have same concerns. Now, again, I'm not against nano and I'm not against the technology. I think that has helped us significantly. And I think pharmaceutical industry is also looking at as a great delivery system of drug at the deeper level, right? You hear a lot about liposomal delivery uh, of drugs, even on the skincare products. The thing is we need to do more safety studies and in other areas, I don't mind as much where for a plastic, for instance, you get the nanoparticle in a polymer and it makes it significantly stronger and more heat resistant plastic without adding more density. So that's a great thing. But when it comes to our health, we want to make sure that our body, listen to your body, right? It, it tells you things. Maybe a few thousand years later, we will be evolved to be able to handle it all. But right now we are not, our body is not ready to accept it without fighting or without being harmed. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it just makes sense because as you said, if it's accumulating in the body, along with the other hundreds of chemicals, because I, I don't think there'd be any biochemist out there or molecular biologist that would say, all right, well, if, I have, if I'm doing experiments, I don't need to eliminate variables. Of course you need to eliminate variables. How impossible is that to do with a human, right? You don't know what they've ingested. It could have microplastics in their belly right now that could be reacting with these other nanoparticles. I mean, it's basically just like messy Marvin went through your lab and spilled everything over and you're trying to conduct an experiment on human. That's what we look like on the inside. It's just a complete mess. I hear things like this food additive actually activates the NLRP3 inflammasome, which basically signals your body that it's in danger. Uh, can you speak anything to how things actually trigger inflammation in the body? Because I'm always talking about reducing inflammation in the body. Can you maybe educate people on what that mechanism is about? I'll, I'll talk general. Uh, in this is 2018 data where FDA approved 451 food additives, which is fine. But the strangest thing is out of 451, absolutely none of them were studied for safety by an independent lab. All the safety data was provided by the manufacturer to FDA and FDA said, fine, great. They gave approval for the additives. So today with science and technology, we come up with all kinds of designer molecules and designer products. But unless we study the safety data, especially in human beings, not just animal studies, because many a times, Animal studies may give us one results, but when you test it in human, you have slightly different results. So I would I prefer to err on the safety side at all times. 
451 new additives in 2018. No long-term studies. I always find it funny when the FDA comes out and talks about unregulated industries, right? Well, it's not regulated by the FDA. So how on earth are they really regulating this stuff if you're relying on the data of the person who, who gives it to you? That is that boggles my mind and, and makes me scared. It makes me scared for So, uh, so to be fair, right? I, I don't doubt the intention of FDA. It's just they do not have enough resources. FDA's budget is probably around $13 billion. Uh, so, sorry, uh, $4.5 billion with about 13,000 employees. And that has been cut in the last administration. But let's consider that even if it is increased now a little bit, that's you're talking about $4.5 billion. Last year alone, the big pharma spent $32 billion in lobbying efforts with 120,000 lobbyists. How do you fight that? You, you don't, I guess that's my point. I, so I FDA has no resource. No, even if FDA wants to, they don't have resources to be able to do their job properly. Right. And it, it would be beneficial for FDA to come out and say, just so you know, you're on your own. Just because we say it's good doesn't mean it is because we, this is what we're up against. We're up against the lobbying. We're up against the amounts of money being spent. And many of our former directors now work for these big, large companies. So where is that truth in our reporting? Because if people knew that, you know, well, the FDA said so, again, I don't, I, as you can imagine, I know there's well-intentioned people there. We know that. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I know a few people, right? Yeah. They are there trying to do their best work. And I agree. And then I also know that pharmaceutical companies are trying to do their best work. They, they are oftentimes trying to tackle. But then there's that in-between bunch that knows that they can make a ton of money on it. They can, uh, a lot of times, operate with impunity. So there's no recourse. And we're sitting around saying 451 additives in, in one year. What was the year before that? What was the year before that? If you can't keep up, then stop it, right? If you can't keep up, then stop it. And as humans, I want everyone to go, you are here to look at the label. And if you can't pronounce it, it should not go in your mouth. That's just it. And if you cannot pronounce it or, or you wouldn't put it in your mouth, as you always say, you shouldn't put it on your skin. And you should do your best to don't say, well, they must have done research on it. They must have done studies because to your point, it's almost impossible. Take responsibility of your own health. I think that's the only way. Uh, that's scary and uh, also enlightening. When... Our folks are coming to us, and I always talk about inflammation. I would say that I tell them, all right, we're going to do this elimination reintroduction process. So to me, the elimination is, is twofold. It's eliminating certain foods that I've identified to be inflammatory, but it's mm -hmm. also I'm telling them to get rid of all the stuff they're putting on their skin. And I always told you for years, I they would say, what should I use in skin care? And I'm like, look, I'm not getting into it because I cannot, I have nothing I can recommend. Luckily, I, I met you through happenstance and you happen to you know be a friend of a friend and so now i actually say look this is food nourishing and when people do it it's still hard for them because it's not you can't see right they don't have a microscope to see nanoparticles they don't can't see the inflammation it's hard for them to really realize that yes a few more diet cokes or a few less diet cokes could actually change how your body functions at very quickly you know and, and affect the microbiome 
what analogy or, or how could I get more people to, you know, maybe from a biological standpoint, say this does happen when, the, you know, what could I do to make them realize that even these small things can have a, a big effect? Do you have anything you tell people like, well, you got rid of this chemical, your body, or you added this chemical, your body immediately does X, Y, Z, and it drops your immune system down by X. Or is there any kind of anecdotes so I get them to think a little bit more a big picture about the very tiny picture that's going on in their body. So it's it's not just one product, right? If you just pick one product and say, okay, this does this, 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 somebody may say, well, okay, so sure, I'm willing to take the small deleterious effect to get this benefit. The problem occurs when we are facing that day in, day out in multiple products, right? So just as you said, read ingredients on all your products, anything that you take inside, whether you're taking through your gut or through your skin, read ingredients, make sure that you recognize all the ingredients. If you don't, just do your personal research, find out a little bit more about it. Now, when you do research, the other thing I've learned is always see the source of research, who has funded the research. Because you'll find a lot of research saying that, oh, titanium dioxide is perfectly safe. There was actually one research that even said that it kills cancer cells. But right. that research that. was funded by a pharmaceutical company who was making cancer drugs. So right. you want to make sure that you see how the funding comes from the, for the research. And don't believe everything you hear on Google or uh, on internet. Social media. Well, the other thing is, I would say, is if it's killing cancer cells, that's like saying it kills cockroaches. They're the, they're the strongest of the strong, so it must be really bad if it can kill cancer. <laughs> the other thing I was, I noticed, my wife showed me an Instagram, and it was this girl on her way to work, and she's like, "Oh no, she was on the way to the beach," and she said, "Or oh, the lake." She said, "I want to look cute to go to the lake." So she literally put. It looked like she was getting ready for war. She had some colors here, some colors here, some colors here. And then she started blending it all together and putting this on and, and patching eyelashes. And I thought to myself, those are three or four different products you mentioned. No one's ever, so they might've even tested those products, but did they ever test those products all individually? Yeah, never working together. So she could have just been creating a toxic soup and her face could start smoking. You know, That's what scares me even worse. It's like, now you have to worry about the products, but then you have to worry about how you combine them. And I don't think anyone ever would even imagine. They probably think, oh, well, this is safe. It means it's also safe with this. And uh, clearly that's not true, right? Yeah. All, all I would say is, okay, you're taking that risk and you're saying, okay, I, I don't care, right? But here is the other problem is you are exposing others. You're ex When you then jump into water, you're exposing those marine life to these toxic chemicals that they are not used to and they are dying. And that's affecting the environment. So it's irresponsible, in my opinion, to even say that, oh, uh, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to die anyway, right? But you are also affecting others in the process. Yeah, agree. Be aware of that too. So there was that study um, from Binghamton University that showed that <clears throat> if someone was exposed to titanium dioxide nanoparticles, to be clear, inside their small intestines, that it decreased the, the body's ability to absorb nutrients. Yes. And then think about what's happening. So no wonder everybody is so chronically fatigued. Their immune systems are down. Um, it's 
uh, unfortunate, but that's how we've been programmed. We've been programmed to think, don't worry, science is going to come to the rescue. Right. And, and again, I do believe this, this is just the beginning. There are going to be many, many pandemics unless we change our way of living. So as you know, I've been vegan for many, many years. And I do believe that the way the animal farming is done, the mass production of the meat industry, it's literally a petri dish for mutation, right? So a virus gets into, a, say, chicken farm or a hog farm, and now it has a field day of mutating and mutating again till it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And now it's going to affect you. And now you have a new variety. So all the mutations are typically done on animals, not on humans. Mm -hmm. So anytime you hear that, okay, there's a Delta variant, but there is uh, now the, the new variant that they're talking about, uh, Lambda variant, Lambda. all of those are the result of animal farming because those big animal production houses are petri dishes for them to mutate. It's scary. It's scary. What is one of what is one of your um, other products that people because I got stuck on the young and bright and the vitamin C and the sunscreen. What's another product that people just I think most important part of your skincare regimen in my belief is cleaning, right? Good cleaning. So our face wash, I believe, is absolutely necessary for everybody to be able to do deep cleaning. It cleanses without leaving your skin dry. And at the same time, it tones your skin, uh, reduces inflammation, detoxifies. So it has multiple functions. So our one-step face wash, I believe, is one of my signature products. And is it able to clean without destroying the skin's bacterial integrity? Correct. So I, I am big on microbiome. And you want to make sure that you preserve your microbiome and you want to also create an environment for microbiome to have diversified growth, right? So the ingredients that are chosen, one thing you will notice that every product has some of the Ayurvedic ingredients in them. And the other aspect is also it creates that environment and balance where those microbiomes can grow. So although it does deep cleaning, it's not stripping your nutrients. It's not stripping your natural oils from your skin. So my question to you is, how do we replenish the skin microbiome? I'm having people eat fermented foods to do it from the inside out. We have our supplements, our probiotics and enzymes, but I always tell people, you know, food first. How are we replenishing the skin microbiome? And is the skin microbiome helping replenish the digestive system or, or vice versa? Yeah, no, skin microbiome does not affect the digestive system. Gut biome, microbiome is different than skin microbiome. Skin microbiome basically gives you protection against pollutants, protection against other viruses and bacterias because you have good bacteria that fight those bacteria. So I would first stop killing off those skin microbiome by using chemical-based systems because chemical-based systems basically kill all your diverse bacteria, viruses, fungi that you have on your skin. And then what grows is your Staphylococcus aureus bacteria, which are abundant everywhere. It's like when you, in a lawn, if you kill all the grass, what comes out first is your weed. Weeds, yeah. Right? Same way mm -hmm. you have Staphylococcus aureus 
that grows first, and then that takes o- over your skin, and it causes all kinds of problems. You talk about staph infection. So that's what the, the Staphylococcus aureus bacteria is. Even with COVID, I sometimes cringe the way people have been using sanitizers uh, indiscriminately and literally killing off their own microbiome. And they are actually reducing the protection rather than increasing the protection. So you want to be careful of that. All right. So people love the skincare and the skin food, right? The farm to face mentality here. What about cosmetics? When when can we expect to roll out some cosmetics? That's the my my wife's like I go on air every day and I have to put some makeup on. So when will we see that from you? Um, very soon. Uh, as you know, I've developed a whole makeup line for a makeup artist in Hollywood who sells under her own brand. Um, we will incorporate that in our brand shortly. Again, we have to be able to create an expertise in marketing that first, because when we can have the product, that's not the issue. How do we market it effectively where it's viable? Well, our team will be the, the starter because I have thousands of people every month that I know would be all over that. So let's make that happen. All right. Excellent, my friend. Well, I want to thank you for your time. As always, you're a wealth of knowledge. People are eating up your skincare. They love it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Yeah, well, they can, right? So that's why, but honestly, uh, and just that one product alone has just the sunscreen, the vitamin C. I have a friend that she's like, if I could drink it, I would. It smells so good. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, keep up the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much for spending some some time with us and uh, getting a deeper dive on the additives in the industry. Thank you. Great being here. Thanks for listening, everyone, to the Better Podcast brought to you by BetterHealth.com. For episodes, be sure to subscribe to this feed on the podcast app you're using right now. This episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Dr. Bill Farrow, and we'll see you again on the Better Podcast. Hey there, listeners. Did you know we not only have an award-winning podcast, but we have an amazing blog to go with it? If you go over to BETRHealth.com and click on the blog button, you'll have access to recipes, member stories, food is medicine tips, and so much more. That's BETRHealth.com slash blog.